All right, time for our kids, third grade and under, for Super Church. Head right out the back door if they'd like to. The rest of you can turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. <clears throat> this has been a fairly interesting week, at least for me, as the pastor, your pastor, Man, it's been a week of just some trials and just some heartache, and not necessarily my own, but just ministering to some people who are going through various situations from struggling with family relationships to struggling with loss, struggling with sickness, and, and just devastation, if you want to know the truth. And it's been, been one of those weeks that I didn't even realize possibly how, how stressful it was and not and again, not on me necessarily, but on what's going on around here until this morning. And I was just my office early praying, and man, it, it was just like the Lord said, man, there's some there's some really big things, some really difficult things, some really costly trials that are taking place, and and it's been it's been difficult, been painful, and and honestly, I didn't know what I was going to share this morning. I mean, I prayed about it all week. I studied various things throughout the week, studied yesterday, and thought I kind of had an idea of what I was going to share. And this morning when I got up, the Lord really just put this on my heart. And, and it's one of those things that, of all the things that we could talk about, and of all the things that I could counsel or things I could help you with or things that I have to offer to make a difference in your life, there's none that are more important than this. I mean, there are some people that are going to think it's trite to talk about this subject, you know, like it's almost um, meaningless because some people say we talk about it too much. You know, some people are going to say it's too simple. You know, when you begin to talk about complex issues such as the possibility of somebody 32 years old dying of some crazy staph infection that they don't know how they got or somebody whose marriage is falling apart somebody who's lost a loved one and has devastated their life this is too simple for that but but i promise you i don't know of anything that i could ever share with you that would give you more hope and honestly give you more security or strength than what i'm going to talk about this morning as a matter of fact i was reminded of it some of you get my emails that i send out for prayer needs and there's a couple that were members of college heights that are going through a tough time chad and don sheehan and beth and i went to see him the other day and uh, she literally has a staph infection in her heart, um, a mass of infection in her heart that can't be treated with antibiotics. The infectious disease doctor told them that, told them that the mass had to be taken out, told them that the mass, if it moves and it settles in the liver or in the brain or in the spinal cord, will kill her. They told her that. And that would have been Thursday. They told her that. They said the surgeon, the heart surgeon needed to come in and Thursday he didn't come in. Friday all day he didn't come in. About 4 o'clock that day, Chad said, man, I've had enough of this. This is ridiculous. Why are we waiting? Why, if my wife could die at any time, aren't you taking care of us, basically? And, and started demanding some answers. And, and honestly, you know, it's pretty intense. That's intense. A 32-year-old mother of a 4- and 3-year-old and a husband. And, and you know, I kind of got caught up with some stuff because it was upsetting to me. Well, Beth and I drove home that night, and Chad called the next morning, and they still didn't have all the answers that he wanted, and he was pretty upset. And I can't go into all of it, but I, I started to kind of get involved with the being upset thing again. And then it was like the Lord 
just kind of reminded me. And Chad doesn't need you to be upset. Chad needs you to point him to the answer. He needs you to help him know where to turn and where to look and who to trust in. And I said, listen, Chad, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that I haven't been better at pointing you to the answer. And I said, you know and I know that what you need is Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of your wife. He's the Lord of your life. You're not trusting a doctor. You're not trusting a surgeon. You're not trusting a hospital. Your life is in Christ's hands. And so let's not go this route. Let's go to the, to the Lord. And uh, I got off the phone with Chad, and he kind of broke down as we talked about that. So, of course, that made me break down. So I get off the phone, and I can't even talk to Beth. I'm crying. Um, I mean, not just because it's so deeply painful to walk with somebody you love, but because, you know, there is an answer. And, and if we miss the answer, there's no other answer. And Beth and I sat down and read the scriptures for a while and prayed, and, you know, God just blesses us in that way. But, man, i got to tell you, what I'm going to talk about this morning is the gospel, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of what we have in what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen. I don't, if you're lost, you need to listen. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you need to listen. Because there is an answer in this world no matter what you're going through. And it's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. So, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And we'll go from there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your goodness in our lives. And I mean that. Because without Your goodness, Lord, we would have nowhere to turn. We continually prove that we're not enough to sustain ourselves. We certainly are not enough to give ourselves the peace and comfort we long through in the midst of trials. We certainly cannot heal our own bodies. And we cannot overcome death. But You can And so as we look into Your Word this morning, I pray You'll speak to us, Lord. We need Your truth. And we need Jesus. So speak and give us the grace to respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me tie my shoe real fast before I fall down. Sorry. This verse right here, Romans 1.16, is probably the foundational verse for me personally, in my ministry, maybe in my life. Um, for years, when I did children's camp or youth camp or whatever, you know, every time they get a new T-shirt, they think that I have somebody sign it. So they always be like, Mike, sign my T-shirt. And I'd always sign the T-shirt, you know, Mike Cooper, Romans one sixteen, Because this, this verse says a ton to me, first of all, not being ashamed. How could we ever be ashamed of the gospel? But the ton that's more meaningful is that it says it is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. I mean, this gospel that sometimes people say is so trivial and so trite and so boring and so simple is the power of God to salvation, which is a crazy thought. 
Because salvation obviously is a huge issue when it comes to who we are in relationship with God. But salvation is necessary every day. Every day you and I need salvation. Every day you and I need guidance. Every day you and I need strength. Every day you and I need hope. And you never know, by the way, when things are going to overwhelm you to the place where you don't know whether your wife is going to live or die. You don't know whether she's going to be saved or she's not going to be saved. There's often times, and you don't get to pick them, where you need salvation. And you and I are not enough. There's no doubt about it. And yet here is this great verse that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Can you imagine? Nothing else that we have available to us has the power that the gospel has. And why is that? Because the gospel has the power to save us. And the gospel simply means the good news. It is the power for all. Not just for one segment. Not just for one people. Not just for one tongue. Not just for one race. Not just for one tribe. Not just for one nation. It is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Every single person. The gospel is the same. It's available to us all. But here's the deal. The deal is, is that for many of us, the gospel has lost its power because we have failed to see, first of all, who we are and what we need. You see, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If any of you know the Romans road, that's all I'm going to talk about this morning is the simple Romans road. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I love this verse because as simple as it is, it is incredibly profound. Because I see people all the time when they come to me and they say, man, I'm hurting and I have a need and and I have burdens and I have loss and I have fears and I have anxiety. And they'll say to me, can you help me? And I'll say, well, yeah, absolutely, I can help you. You need Jesus Christ. Well, no, that's not really what I need. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me tell you I was broken and I was sick and I was injured and I was devastated you didn't hear me tell you that and i said no i did hear you tell tell me that you need jesus christ and they're like well why would i need jesus christ and i said basically because sin has ruined your life and until you have somebody deliver you from sin you have no hope whatsoever and they'll say well you know i'm not that bad <clears throat> i'm not that bad i hear that all the time i'm not that bad i'm a pretty good person i I try to take care of my family. I try to take care of my kids. I go to work. I pay my bills. I'm not that bad. Well, you didn't listen to this verse. Because it's not talking about how you see yourself as compared to somebody else. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not somebody else. Every single one of us have fallen short of God's standard, which is holiness. Every single one of us. It's not like you're better than somebody else. God didn't break it into these little compartments, right? He didn't say if you were poor, you were better than the rich. Or if you were rich, you were better than the poor. He didn't say if you were white, you were better than the black. Or if you were black, you were better than the white. He didn't put it into those kind of compartments. He said, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the standard of God's glory. We have all missed the mark. And man, that is a serious thing in our life. And that is something that we cannot live with. Because if we are going to have a relationship with a holy God, 
we've got to be holy. And if we're not holy, there are consequences to it. And the Scripture teaches us that there are none who are good. Not one. Look at Romans chapter 3 and read with me at verse 10. It's a pretty clear description of who we are. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And he's talking about, again, everyone. Is that a description of, of you? I'm sure there are many people here today who say, well, that's not really me. I, am, I do plenty of good things. I'm not talking about being compared to your neighbor. So what if you do good things compared to your neighbor? That just means you're nicer or better than another sinner. That doesn't mean very much. How are you compared to the living and holy God? And the Scripture says... We're sinful. And, and i got to tell you, that sin is what's devastating this world. Your sin, my sin, the sins of others around us, it's devastating this world. It's everywhere in our lives. Man, there would be no death if it were not for sin. There would be no disease if it were not for sin. There would be no horror if it were not for sin. There would be nothing in this world that would wreak havoc in our lives if it were not for sin. And man, the craziest thing about it is that, honestly, so many people today say, well, I don't see that. I don't think I'm a sinner. I don't think anybody else is a sinner. We're all good people. Well, if that's where you're going to stand, then you have no answers for the tragedy in your life. Do you understand me? I don't care if it's loss of a loved one. I don't care if it's disease in your body. I don't care if it's financial devastation. I don't care if somebody has brutalized you. If you think that you're a good person on your own, if you think that people are good on their own, if you think that some kind of, you know, strange situation happened to you that didn't happen to anybody else, and you refuse to see sin in your life or anybody else's, then you have no answers. And you have no hope. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that ought to be shocking to us. Because the Bible is very clear about these things. We've all sinned and the wages of our sin is death. The wages that we earn when we sin is death. That's what we get from sin. 
you don't get anything else from sin, I don't know why you would think you would. Sin was never designed to bless. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, they walked in the garden. He said, you can eat from any tree in the garden that you want to, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will surely die. Well, a serpent comes along and he tempts, tempts Eve. And you know what happened. She ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree. She gave some to Adam and he ate. And the Bible says that when they ate of that fruit, they realized that they were naked. And all of a sudden, they hid themselves from each other. And the guilt and the shame of sin began to destroy that relationship. And then God comes walking in the cool of the evening, and He cries out to them, and they're hiding from Him because of sin. It had ruined their relationship with Him, and they hide from God. And all of a sudden, you see the devastation of sin begin. It was at that moment that death entered into the world, and they died. And as sin entered in through one man since Adam, all have sinned and all have died and all are dead. Ephesians chapter 2 says, in our trespasses and our sins, apart from Jesus Christ. Man, do you think sin, do you think sin has impacted our world? Do you think sin is impacting your world? Man, you better believe it in huge ways. And ultimately, literally, if you don't find a cure for your sin, not only are you going to die physically, but you're going to experience the wrath of God in your life. Do you understand me? God's wrath and God's judgment. I know we live in this world that's so big on themselves that we don't want to believe in judgment anymore. We don't believe in hell anymore. We don't believe in God's wrath anymore. We want to believe in a God who will just love us, let us be as sinful as we want to, let us destroy our lives and anybody else's lives that we want to, let us just wreak havoc in this world, and then pat us on the back and go, oh, good job, why don't you come on home to my blessings? Does that sound like a just God to anybody here? Trust me, that's not the God of the Scriptures. The God of the Scriptures says... The wages of sin is death, and that means eternal death. John chapter 3, one of the great chapters in all of Scripture, with the most famous verse of all Scripture, in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, there's some remarkable things. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Jesus is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Here's the judgment. The Son of God came. God became a man and dwelt among us. And John chapter 1 verse 14 says, We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to show us the Father and to save us from our sins. And we beheld the light, but we didn't want the light because our deeds are so evil, we'd rather do them our own way. And he says, man, you're not waiting for judgment. You're judged already because you've not believed in him. Matthew chapter 13, 49 and 50 says, So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, 
and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 20, 1 through 15, or 11 through 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And I'm not done yet, but you know what that says? He has a record of our sins. He has a record of our sins. And if we're not forgiven of our sins, that book's going to be open. And you're going to be judged according to what you really did do. And you're going to get what you really deserve. And he says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The destination of all those who are lost, all those who have not been saved, is the lake of fire. Now, I know that's not popular. Man, I know that. I know there's some people that go, hey, man, that's not what I want from God. That's not the God I know. That's not the God I desire. Well, unfortunately for you, if you think that way, you don't get to pick your God. There's one God. He makes the rules, not us. But don't think for a minute that just because God is this God that will judge and this God that will condemn us, that He is not a God of grace and love. And here's the good news. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What you and I cannot earn or accomplish on our own, God gave as a gift. And Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, God has shown His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not asking us to clean up our act. He's asking us to trust Jesus and what He's done on the cross. I had to laugh at Beth yesterday. Yesterday, and I won't go through the whole story, but Beth looks at me and says, I love you even though you are, and I'll let you fill in the blank. I'm not telling you what she said. You don't even need to know. And, uh, and I am. I am. I am what she said, just so you know. But I didn't change, and I probably won't, just so you know. But I had, to, I had to chuckle to myself several times because I'm thrilled that she loves me even though I'm... <laughs> I'm thrilled that she loves me. And here we have this great picture of God who says in His Word literally, I love you even though you're and you can fill it in. You're a sinner. I love you. And I showed my love for you. 
by sending my son to die for you. You see, the cross is the crux of the gospel. On the cross, Jesus Christ, the sinless one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and humbled himself and became obedient as a man, even to the point of death. The glorious God of all creation, the one who made you and me, the one who established the foundations of the earth and set the stars in heaven above, that God became a man. And the Bible says that on that cross, God made Him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Man, on that cross, He became our sin. Every foul, wicked, depraved thing we've ever done, He became on our sin. On that cross, He became sin. And then God poured out His wrath on Him. And God punished Him for all the things that we deserve. And He did it because He loves us. He did it to save us. He did it to set us free from our sins and to deliver us from all the wrath and the judgment and the punishment that we deserve. Man, if I don't think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard, I can't imagine what could top it. What could top it? But does that apply to us when our hearts are broken? Oh, you better believe it. Romans 8 tells us that if He did not withhold His Son from us, how, will, how much more with Him will He give us all things? Freely give us all things. If He didn't stop us from being saved, if He didn't withhold Jesus back from saving us, why will He withhold anything else from us? Is Jesus Christ the answer for a broken heart? You better believe it. He's the Savior of a broken heart. Is Jesus Christ the Savior for one who has been devastated by somebody else's sin? You better believe He's the Savior of devastation. Is Jesus Christ the Savior of dawn? Is that that pus pocket of mass of, of staph infection is beating inside her heart? And every time that valve opens, there's a chance of that thing slipping out into her blood system and killing her. Is, it, is He her Savior? You better hope He is. If He's not, she has no other salvation. Man, we have a Savior who loves us. It's the good news, no matter what you're going through. Is He the Savior of a broken relationship? Absolutely. If He can restore you to the Holy One through the cross, He can restore you to your husband or your wife or your friend or your brother. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved. Isn't that an awesome word? Do you know there are actually people today that tell us inside the church we can't use the word saved? It's a church word. Well, guess what? I like that word saved. I like to be saved. I need to be saved. I need a Savior. And I don't need Him casually. I don't need Him every now and then. I need Him every single day. And honestly, no matter what situation you're in, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll recognize once again he's enough for you. He's not just enough for you to go to heaven when you die. Man, if that's all you think about Jesus, you don't know him at all. He's enough to see you through. He's enough to get you through today. He's enough to heal your heart. He's enough to give you strength. He's enough to give you peace. He's enough to give you joy. He's enough to help you endure. He's enough. Man, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that means He is Lord of all things. And if you believe in the heart that God raised Him from the dead, you believe that He's overcome all things. Who else do you need? And listen, man, sitting with people that you love, like Chad and Don, and saying to them, the man I know, I know she could die. But you know that if she dies, she's going right home in the presence of the living God and to dwell with Him forever and ever, never to be sick again, never to falter again, never to be filled with guilt again, never to hurt again, never to suffer again. And do you know there are actually people in this world that would tell you they don't believe in heaven? They don't believe in hell? They would tell you that the Bible teaches that? And I'm here to tell you they're liars. 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 They don't speak the truth. They don't know the truth. And they don't know who the truth is. And Jesus Christ said to his disciples after he told them that, they were going, that he was going to die and they couldn't come with him at that moment, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And then in Acts chapter 1, I think it's about verse 10, I'm not sure. The Bible says that in front of their eyes, Jesus the Savior ascended into heaven until the clouds had taken Him from their sight. Where is Jesus today? Yeah, He's in heaven. If He's coming back to receive us to Himself, that we may be where He is. Where is He? He is in heaven. You want ultimate hope? You want ultimate victory? It's not found in the menial things of this world. It's found in the Savior that overcame death and overcame sin and overcame suffering and overcame judgment. It's found in Jesus Christ. And you can know Him. But you've got to confess Him as Lord. And you've got to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, man confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans 10.10 Man, why do we play these games with ourselves as if there's any other answer in this world besides Jesus Christ? Why do we find ourselves and our abilities so impressive when the rubber meets the road you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say 
I am not enough for me. Not for this life or for the next. And there's some good news. And the promise of Romans chapter 10, verse 13 is this. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise. There's that word again, saved. Man, I don't know what's going to happen with some of the folks I spent time with this week. I really don't. I mean, if I've been a part of somebody losing a loved one at the most inopportune time, is there ever an opportune time? Never. Have they asked me why? Have they asked me where their loved ones are? Have they asked me if there's hope? Too many times I've been asked those questions. And as heartbreaking as it can be to stand there and minister to somebody, I still know the hope. It's found in Jesus. And it's not found anywhere else. Man, I don't know what you're going through. I bet you're going through something. Either personally or with somebody that you know. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of salvation. And it's God's power. And He loves you. But you've got to, you've got to turn to Him. And you've got to trust Him. Don't neglect Him. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you do what 10.9 says. You believe in your heart or you, trust, or you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You'll be saved. But you've got to surrender to Him and follow Him. And Christian, listen, you claiming to be a Christian doesn't mean a thing when the trials come. You have to live like Christ is your Savior. When you do that, He's your answer. Just to claim you're a Christian and live without faith will not be what you need. It never has been. It never will be. You've got to turn to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I love You and I thank You for Your Word. And I ask, Lord God, that You would work in our hearts through Your Word. Father, we are a needy people. We're sinners that need your salvation. And I ask, Lord God, you draw us to Jesus this morning. Please don't let us be hardened, Lord. Don't let us harden our hearts toward you or against you. But open up our hearts to your truth that you love us and you made a way for salvation. And I pray that even now, many would be saved. And even now, many would turn back to you. And I pray that you'd do a great work in hurting hearts this morning. And I pray that you'd save us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond to the Lord this morning.